Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winging It podcast with myself, Nigel Chu. As usual, I've got two people from the Last Lap magazine website. Yeah, shout out to them, <laughs> Freddie Coates and Adam Dickinson. Of course, we're going to be talking about the British Grand Prix. It's Silverstone this week, the first of two Silverstone races. But first, we're going to be discussing the, the new calendar news, which came out at the end of last week. Fun one has announced three new and returning races with the Nürburgring back on the calendar, as well as Portimao and Imola. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on having those three circuits added to the schedule? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's just good to have racing on, really. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not convinced many of them will provide great races in terms of quality of racing and overtakes and all of that. But, you know, it's good to have them on. It will be very interesting to see how the cars go round and what sort of races they do throw up. And um, I think I heard that the race at the Nürburgring will be right in the rainiest <laughs> time in, uh, in the area in Germany. So um, there'll be that, that to look forward to. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited that there'll be more races on. Um, and, it, yeah, interesting to see kind of how, how it does go. Yeah, we, we've got Nürburgring on the 11th of October, Portimao on the 25th, and then Imola on the 1st of November, which we all know Freddie is uh, very excited about because he used to have a cat named after Imola. Incredible. Yes, we we had. A, I, I was raised with a family cat called Imola. She was older than me, so you can't blame me for that. But it's great. <laughs> it gives you a reason as to where my Formula One fandom can come from, um, and also the the Schumacher. Um, but um, oh, I'm really excited. I just love tracks. I love the race tracks. We've got um, Portimao, which is a cool track. Um, yeah. Imola, which is a cool track, and they changed the layout. It's just one long straight now around the around the, the pits as well. That's cool. Mugello is going to be really cool. I've watched some bike racing there, and it's going to be completely different to that. And um, if they're allowed to get some fans into Imola, then that would be brilliant, I think. Um, I don't know what the Portuguese fans are like. They're probably quite good. Um, but we don't have um, a Portuguese driver, so... We've got it. Yeah. I think got Ferrari. I think the key thing is kind of excitement. Like there wasn't much excitement over like Hanoi, for example. You know, it's not like oh yeah, we're having a race in Hanoi. That's great. Mm. But there did seem to be a lot of genuine excitement from a lot of fans about this and these tracks being added in and seeing. You know, it's it's nostalgia and a lot of people like that. But you know, it is. Yeah, it seems that a lot of people seem to be happy with it, and the majority of reaction I've seen has been positive. It's, it's weird because I remember a few years ago, people were saying, oh, there's too many flyaway races and now we've got, what, 12 European races yeah. this season and then we'll probably, probably have Bahrain and, and Abu Dhabi on the end of the calendar. Uh, there's, we're not sure what's going to happen after Imola. There's talk that Malaysia might be back and I know, Adam, you're, you're a big fan of the Sepang circuit. Yeah, it's great. It always threw at good races, always threw at rain. Although I don't know if I don't know enough about the Malaysian weather cycle, but if it's at the other end of the year than normal, I don't know whether that will change anything or not. But yeah, if, if that comes back, I'd be very excited. And I feel like that could maybe have the best chance of staying. I mean, I don't know. It's quite early to be getting into that before we've seen the races, but um, if that 
you know, I feel like that's probably got the best chance of throwing up a good race and could, you know, could have a decent chance of staying, hopefully. Yeah, and Freddie, do you think that the new races that we're seeing this year, will they stay on the calendars in, in the future or are they just one-off events for this year, do you think? I, th- um, I mean, the fanboy wants them to stay. You want as much as you can. And Liberty's plans was to have 25 Super Bowls when, it's, um, when they came in around 2017. And to bring in, essentially, they brought in four tracks that weren't originally on the calendar for this year. And that would have, that would have you know, given them more than enough choice. There's definitely people wanting to hold the races if they can at presumably a lower price to the original promoter. Um, I think that I think as Adam says, Sepang would be the most likely to stay if it does get picked up because that is, you know, it's an international circuit in its own right. I think what's hampering Magello and Imola is Monza. What's hampering Nurburgring is Hockenheim, unless they go back to their um, biannual deal. Um, is that the right? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's right. and and um, I think. That yeah, that's all I think really. I have heard some rumours about Istanbul. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, well, I've heard I've heard really two sides of that. I've heard one side of it, which was that it's apparently now is a used car dealership, and the other side of it, which is <laughs> talks to hold a Grand Prix. So, I'm not convinced yet. Mm, yeah, that'd be yeah, very interesting. Been an incredible yeah. calendar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this talk of Vietnam still happening in November, even though they're, they're meant to hold the race next April. So I don't know if, if they would have enough time because it's a street circuit. So the noises that the noises that came out of their promoters in about June was that they didn't want to hold a race that late yeah. because it would impact on the potential of a race in uh, April. But if we don't know the situation for fans at that race because it's not been confirmed but if there was even a double header there with no fans then that could promote interest for April and it just depends on how they look at it from that perspective and I don't know it seems to be a bit like I think Hanoi would be a weird one to do as a double header with it being a street circuit you can't really close off a city for two weeks yeah I mean are we a fan of Having two races back to back on consecutive weekends—is that something you know, we'd like to see more of, or, or not really? Adam, do you mean it, you mean it the same circuit? Yeah, so, so Silverstone, for, yeah. for example, is going to have think, two. Yeah. Two. Sorry, um, but yeah, if the if the circuit's good, I think I, you know not many people lining up for back to back Russian Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if the circuit's good, which I think Austria and Silverstone are two of you know probably the two best that they could have picked or certainly two of the best from this calendar that they could have picked um so yeah in in those cases it works but i think if we're looking at you know them having 25 races and you know if we count all of the the circuits that have hosted or are due to host one this year and the one that's got cancelled that's already 26 so i don't think kind of filling filling the calendar up with double headers when we could have races in different places yeah. I think I'd rather have 25 races in 25 different places I think what they will take from the double headers this year is that it will give them even more 
of an argument to say, well, it doesn't matter if we have a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday. The races are different. Yeah, I think for me, if we're going to have double headers, this should be on the same weekend. And I know people will say, oh, that takes away the meaning or the quality maybe of having just a one race on Sunday. But I think having two races at the same venue over eight or nine days is just a bit... It's, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to me. What's the point of staying in the same place for eight, eight or nine days when you can just get it over and done within in two or three days? I think those are my... What's so sacred about doing a race on a Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> Saturday's still the weekend, I guess. <laughs> Monday night yeah. F1, do that. Do you, do you guys think any of the new circuits or new on the calendar circuits will provide a better race than the Hungarian Grand Prix that we witnessed last? Because I, kind of looking at what people are saying about the quality of actual racing and overtaking on circuit, it feels like we could be in for a Hungary type race where it's a bit of a procession. Um, so yeah, what do you it, think? On that? It's, it's, it's tough to say really because we haven't raced at these circuits for a long time. We've never, Godwin has never raced at Portimao. Looking at the layouts, I would say Imola, there's a lot of talk about it. Oh, you can't really overtake. But the, the longest straight, the start, on the start, finish straight. Yeah, that makes sense. That is it's really long and that should be DRS zone that but other than that the circuit is quite tight Mugello is kind of similar it's got a long front straight so there might be one overtaking opportunity there Portimao we don't know how F1 cars are going to go and the Nürburgring I'm actually a big fan of I, I prefer the Nürburgring over over Hockenheim really but that from from what I've seen in previous years anyway but I think it they could be similar to Hungary because Hungary you can overtake into turn one, then into turn two, so they could be quite similar to, to what we've seen already. But being in in October, the weather will be much colder, which is going to make a massive difference to the teams and the drivers and the cars. So I think that's a big part that could that's a big uh, area that could play an important part. So I think yeah, looking at the track layout. It could be similar, but again, it depends on the weather and big things like that. Yeah. I think Mugello is going to be an interesting one for this because the layout of the last and first corners, the last corner is a long left-hander, which is going to just set it up for dirty air into the long straight. And then, um, then it's the long straight. And then it's, you know, it's a medium speed, third or fourth gear, turn one. And, it's not exactly, it's, it's quite, I mean, like you get Suzuka with um, turn one where they do the overtakes there and you've got to line it up in a specific way and then you've got to, the car will have to sort of hang it around and pedal to the metal, balls to the wall to actually get the move done. And you do see quite a few moves there. And I think it will be similar to that in Mugello and in Portimao because Portimao, I think the layout they are doing is going to be kind of like, a bit of a swish from turn one down the are hill. Are they using the chicane at turn one? I don't think they are. The maps that I've seen haven't used the chicane. So they're going to do sort I of really a, a double apex swish at the bottom of the hill and then into a hairpin. And that mm. could be pretty cool. And then that goes onto a really cool wiggly um, back straight. And then, yeah, I, I'm, I think Portimao looks really cool. Um, I, think I, it's a, I think it's a question of, is it the tracks or the cars that, you know, allows good racing because if if we say what tracks are good 
make good racing for F1. I don't think you'd struggle to get 10, I, th- I think. I think the ones that make good racing for F1 are the ones where you can slipstream and have a lot of DRS. And that's Bahrain at the moment with three DRS zones. That's Spa. Spa, yeah. Silverstone. Austria. Baku. Yeah, Baku. Baku, yeah, because Baku is just bizarre as a concept. But then you look at um, Formula 2 at the Hungary weekend and Robert Schwartzman won the feature race from 11th on the grid. Yeah, and that's not an easy feat to win from that far back on a on a circuit we've just talked about. Let alone Hungary. I mean, it was the alternate strategy and that kind of thing, but he still had to overtake to get up there, and he made a demon start. And these Formula Two races tend to always be quite chaotic, and people say, "Oh, it's because they're, you know, they really want to prove themselves," but they've got the capability to go for something to prove themselves in those cars. So. That's, I think, yeah, it, the model that they're going for for 2022, I think. Mechanical downfalls. I think Portimao seems to be pretty similar to Barcelona or have some similarities to Barcelona, especially before Double they added final cocaine at Barcelona, the big, long, sweeping kind of turn. Last corner. I do hope they use the, um, the chicane at the start at turn one, two, three, because I think that would... Yeah, I just think... I like, don't think they are. That, I think that would be a shame, but... You know. hmm. I, um, yeah. I think... I, I agree with you about Portimao looking a bit like Catalonia, but I think it's got that touch more to it, because Catalonia's... Um, like it's got, like you say, the Philly chicane at the end, and it's got the quite tight chicane at the start of the lap, and I think the tight chicane it doesn't quite work so well in Catalonia. Yeah, it needs to be wider, I think. I think... Yeah. I think um, the, the first corner at Portimao with, with the kind of sort of double apex right-hander, long double apex right-hander then into the hairpin, I think that would be really cool because they're coming into that at such high speed that then to break there is going to be, you're going to be really on, on the back of each other going through a really fast right-hander. I think that would be really, I'd rather see a super cool overtake there than a pokey chicane, I think, personally. Yeah, I think we can all agree that qualifying is going to be quite something at, at all of these tracks because they're very yeah. high speed. Oh, yeah. Follow into lots of turns. So, yeah, talking of tracks, let's talk about Silverstone then. Uh, 2010, they changed the layout to the arena layout, I think it's called, or that little section anyway. Uh, do we prefer the newer Silverstone layout or the layout? from before 2010 when you used to have the old bridge corner I like both of them I mean bridge is a demon of a corner isn't it it's it's It'd be hard easy core. flat nowadays though that's true I think yeah it would be easy flat but then the, the degra- degra- degrading tyres then coming back through the long Brooklands there would be would be quite interesting it wouldn't be it would be a good place for qualifying but not really for the race whereas with the current but then the Abbey Chicane then would be a good place for the race, but it isn't now because it's now a long right-hander. Going into turn three, though, which would be... An over- See, if we're thinking about it as overtaking breaking, heavy breaking point, then it doesn't, it's fine. It sort of, sort of equals itself out, but I do really like the sort of... the start of the lap for Silverstone going into the Wellington Strait yeah. down to Brooklands. I think that's a really cool bit of track. Me too. And then the sort of... Medium speed Brooklands into Luffield Woodcut 
I really like that too. So I, I think I think what I've concluded from this ramble <laughs> is I'm fine with both. Okay, <laughs> Adam. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't really mind. I didn't mind it in the old layout, and I don't mind it now. Really, I think they've both pretty good races. But crucially, changing it to the new layout meant that they could add a lot more, you know, grandstands and upgrade the paddock wing and all of that, and that allowed it to survive as a circuit and stay on the calendar. Yeah. So, true. yeah. So you know, I think that's. I think yeah, I think. Mentioning, but I don't really mind either way. Cops would be a really, cops would be a really cool turn one, just anyway. And it's a shame it's not anymore. But Abby is kind of a wannabe cops anyway. So <laughs> it's quite fun to <laughs> out though, as they yeah. run it now. Yeah, it's or, you know, like coming off the big straight. Mm. I, I think I prefer the newer layout, and I'm not sure what fans you know think of it like unless I know if you're listening to this if you prefer <laughs> the newer or, or, or the layout uh mainly because you can overtake down into the down the wellington straight into Brooklyn's is it the left hand yeah it's yeah. Brooklyn's so whereas in the past that wasn't really an option and also in the F2 races at least in through turns three and four the, the loop section mm. you can just make a uh, cheeky overtake into into the hairpin there as well. You don't see it as much uh, with F1. So I think from a racing point of view, I prefer the newer layout, but that's just me. So. I think last year's race really lended itself to praising this new layout. You've, when you had uh, Verstappen and Leclerc, and then Leclerc on Gasly a couple of times as well, getting involved with themselves through the um, through the the loop, I think there was a move Leclerc did. He went round the outside of Gasly um, into, I think it's Farm as turn three, into Farm. And then that carried on round all the way into Aintree in the loop onto Wellington Straight. And it was such a good move. I, I, I can't remember the tyre strat at, the, at that particular time, but I think it was something outrageous for Leclerc to do. And then we haven't spoken about Stowe, which is the best corner for overtaking in the world when you've got, you've got you, you just see, you've got Leclerc and Verstappen coming, he's closing, he's closing, he's closing. And then Leclerc defends so aggressively, but Verstappen still sticks it in. It's that kind of corner. They can still stick it in. He still go for it and go side by side. Oh, I love Silverstone so much. <laughs> yeah, I just get so pumped with every Silverstone race. It's just insane. I, remember, I was re-watching the 2018 Grand Prix the, um, the other week, and I know what happens in that. I know Hamilton gets spun, and I know he finishes in second. And but I was still Spoiler at the end of the race. I was still like, "Oh my god, look at this! What's happening?" Ah, because there's something about it. It's just I don't know if it's in British or not, but I just love. Yeah, yeah if you haven't seen the last two British Grand Prix, then I recommend you, you go and watch the highlights somewhere because they were uh, quite amazing races. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement now because the British Grand Prix or Silverstone has said. And they're going to devote some time to the drivers and the movement before the race. Last time in Hungary, you have to say it was pretty disjointed. It looked a bit silly from my thinking uh, when the drivers, I mean, Antonio Giovinazzi didn't even have the T-shirt on. Drivers were late. It was just chaotic. So it's good to see that Silverstone is 
giving this time to the drivers. What are your thoughts on on, on this, I guess? I mean, it's about time. They should have been doing this from the first week all the way through. Um, and so, yeah, it's not... It's, it's good that they're doing it now, but it's kind of a shame that they, you know, Silverstone have had to come out and say, yes, we're going to be doing it, as if that's kind of changing it. And I also just don't think that the comments from a lot of people involved in the sport, from Andretti and um, Stewart to Grosjean and Eccleston, I just don't think they're helping things at all, really. Can I ask, why do you think they're not helping it? Um... I think there is, there is a problem. There's a real problem in F1 in that there's pretty much no racial diversity. And once Lewis retires, as it stands, there won't be kind of any black face in any prominent position within the sport that I can think of. You know, when the cameras are panning round to drivers and team bosses and anything like that, there's not going to be any anyone black in there. And I think to kind of push it under the carpet and say, you know, it's not that bad. I just don't think they really understand the scale of it or, yeah. I think what's been pretty ridiculous is how it's been dealt with in the steering Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix. Because in the first Austrian Grand Prix, yes, there was a sort of position with the end racism banner on the floor and they gave them a bit of time before the national anthem to take the knee for the majority of the drivers and to stand there as solidarity to say they all supported the end racism stance and they're all anti-racism as you'd expect. Um, but in Styria, the second Austria week, they it was led by Lewis and Vettel to go to the front and to, to take the knee. And then there was a shot of it on the world feed and then they cut away to some pre-recorded parachutes and... Um, uh, air, air acrobatics and it was it was it was not on really frankly and I, I was watching the sky coverage for that and Simon Lazenby was trying to not be critical of Formula One because I mean the sky coverage is broadcast across the entire paddock they're all watching that and um, Simon Lazenby was just basically trying to keep the story going saying look at all these guys taking the knee this is brilliant oh look we're looking at some planes but they're all taking the knee this is really good. There's some of them not taking the knee and we really should be pushing this. If Formula, if um, Premier League can do it, if cricket can do it, why can't Formula One? And then Formula One is shying away from even getting to the stage of letting the drivers have the personality of it. Hungary was a complete shambles, obviously, when you've got, like you say, Giovinazzi, I think Magnussen as well, both just late, just turned up without their end races and t-shirts on. Um, no one knew where to stand because they did it in a weird, and they did it in the pit lane, had some screen behind them. Um, but then it was given about, what, two seconds on the world feed and then they played the Hungarian national anthem. And there's a few drivers sort of hanging around trying to follow Lewis's lead on it. Like, oh, is Lewis taking the knee yet? I don't want to be the first one to do it. And I think there's a, there's a few chickens in there about this, frankly. And they should really be taking a bit more of a stance. And yeah, they're all, they're all adults. They know kneeling isn't going to change anything. But it's... It's the symbol. It's, yeah. It's, there's so mm. much more to it. And by saying, like people like Leclerc saying, um, they're confused about the politics. Yeah, that's fine. But there's a level of it with um, kneeling 
to then say, oh, I don't want people who don't like it to get annoyed at me. It's precisely why you're doing it. You're, um, you're not there to appease the people who disagree with the situation. Yeah. And I also, like, like you say, kneeling and, you know, all going to the front and kneeling for it isn't going to change it. But it's just kind of, if they can't get themselves united and sorted to do that well and in an organised way, that, you know, that just doesn't bode well at all for actually, you know, creating change within the sport. Like Mercedes has said they want to set up a commission alongside all their black livery stuff and, uh, you know, work with F1 in that. But if they can't even sort out a, you know, kind of, in effect, symbolic gesture at the start, then, you know, how are they actually going to create meaningful change? It's just, yeah, not. It's a it's a missed opportunity for me to see all the drivers unite together. A massive opportunity. They had this chance, you know, to do something, and uh, you know, the pictures and the world and the whole world would have seen the drivers take the knee or do something together. But to see that some do it, some not, it just it doesn't feel right to me. Uh, but yeah, that that's not going to change, obviously, and drivers who are not taking their knee, you know, that's their choice. But I feel for the sport and for the Black Lives Matter movement, they really should have all taken the all taken their knee just, just for the symbol like like both of you guys say. Formula One was the first international sport to successfully come back. I mean I think what cricket was the second. And yeah. and Formula One has had the position of the first global sport to come back to say, this is a global issue. We are going to now make this such a stance that you know we're and we're going to end racism. We're all going to come to your country as Formula One, and we're going to take the knee. We're going to say we're going to end racism here. If you're going to be against this, well, tough. You can't have Formula One, and this is Formula One's position. But Formula One has shied away from that. They're scared of keeping it going. I don't know if there's politics in countries they've got coming up. Um, I don't know what the situation is in Russia. Kvyat's been a bit confusing about about why he wouldn't take the knee because of Russia and I don't know if Formula One as a commission is a bit scared of oh we've got a Grand Prix coming up in Russia later on or maybe some other countries who who are a bit tentative with this kind of politics and a bit like well we want to have it yeah we can do it in Austria that's fine and we can let it brush under the carpet when it gets to the UK and then when we go into some other countries we can move on from it and then we don't have to jeopardize any talks we're having with the promoters here or the, the government here. And I think Formula One is is showing a lot of cowardice if that's kind of, that's what I'm seeing. And I think that's showing a lot of cowardice. They're not trying to carry on the message through the year, which they should do. It should be Formula One's message, put up or shut up, frankly. And currently they're not putting up. And what they are doing now, if, if the reports, which are, I think were BBC reports, um, are saying that there will be dedicated time to a demonstration then that's good about time frankly carry it on through the year at least yeah but well it is Lewis Halton who has been leading this movement and it's just been fantastic to see what what he has done over the last few weeks some people might not like it but if you look at the bigger picture I think what he's doing is is quite incredible in terms of the sporting perspective Halton is leading the championship by five points, I think, over Valtteri Bottas. He's won at Silverstone seven times, which is just 
incredible. He obviously took his eighth win at Hungary last time out. Can anyone beat Hamilton this weekend and next weekend? Oh, yes. Um, Bottas, I think, is the only driver who I'd say. I don't think Red Bull will be able to. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but I don't think Red Bull will. um, No, I think you're right. Um, So I think it's up to Bottas whether he can. I think for him, it's kind of this season will be a lot mentally how he kind of copes, you know, with. He, he's suffered two setbacks and lost by decent margins. Um, and, you know, been fighting Verstappen a lot more than um, Hamilton in the last two races. So I think it's kind of mentally how he bounces back. He can put good weekends together, you know, and he can, on his good weekends, he can match Hamilton. Um, it's just he doesn't, you know, Hamilton does it every weekend, bar, you know, one or two over the course of the season. So. Yeah, I think, but, but, you know, it's going to be a fight between the Mercedes for the win, I think. Ready? Yeah, you can't, you can't ignore it, can you? Um, I can't really legitimately sit here and say, oh, yeah, McLaren are going to come forward with their upgrades and Carlos Sainz is going to take pole because I just know it's not going to happen. It's going to be Mercedes. I don't know whether there's going to be a change in mindset because of Hamilton normally this weekend is for the fans it's for the british um support that is in its droves normally like silver is a massive circuit and it's packed normally yeah absolutely packed and that's not going to be there i don't know i think this would be the one that that's noticed at most particularly with lewis hamilton being the british driver and it being such an emotional event normally for him I think it will be interesting to see how that mindset affects because it could go the complete other way of it's actually quite depressing this situation where there's normally we come here and it's you know so say from Hamilton's perspective normally he comes here and he gets the support of the world the best support of the year pretty much for him and this time he's going to come here and every time he's come here that's been what's there for him and this now it won't be it could just completely trough I don't know motivation wise um, I don't think it will <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I don't think it'll make a difference if there's fans there or not but, uh, I think I think Hamilton, it completely change the mindset of the weekend for Hamilton but I wouldn't I wouldn't say he wouldn't win okay. yeah. I think it would just uh, I think it would just make it any of the weekend for him it won't kind of feel yeah. special in the same way that it normally does but equally you know it's not going to I don't think it's going to negatively affect him. It'll just feel a bit more like like racing, you know, Austria or Hungary or wherever. You know, it's just another um, race to turn up and win at and move on, really. I think the next two weekends are very, very important for for Bottas because traditionally at Silverstone and then Silverstone again, he hasn't gone well. Silverstone and Barcelona so if he can beat Hamilton at one or even two of those race weekends it's going to be quite important because if Hamilton wins the next three races he's going to have a what over a 25 point lead 26 point lead and then you know it's going to look look like Bottas will have a slim slim hopes of the championship so I think it's an important weekend Did he get, well 
Bottas got pole last year in Catalonia and in Silverstone. That's what I was about to ask. Would yeah. have won in Silverstone last year if not for a virtual safety car when Antonio Giovinazzi's would he? rear damper. Think, think, oh, yeah, he did. I he think Hamilton would, would have had he, the pace. No, because, um, well, I don't know because Bottas had got such an undercut. It was about 10 laps afterwards that Hamilton then pit. I mean, uh, Hamilton would have had some pace, but Bottas would have had such an undercut. It would have been such a climb for Hamilton to do. Yeah, he would have had the, probably the pace to close, but he couldn't get past Bottas earlier in the race. And I think it would have been a mega scrap towards the end of the race. Yeah, but I think there would have been a strong argument for Bottas to win that race without Alfa Romeo's, whatever it was, rear suspension failing or something. I was watching the cricket. <laughs> yeah, it was the Cricket World Cup, Wimbledon, British Grand Prix. Yeah, it was Super an insane day, wasn't it? It was an insane was, yeah, day. Back from Silverstone listening to the cricket on the radio. <laughs> weirdest and cricket on the radio is weird tennis on the radio is strange anyway carry on. <laughs> yeah I'm not going to argue with you about a race from last year because that will just take up too much time so uh, <laughs> we'll just have to disagree on with that one uh, the podium then Red Bull versus Racing Point for the third step of the podium is that what we think or do we think Red Bull will be ahead of Racing Point or Racing Point ahead of Red Bull I think and McLaren Red might Red be in there oh, oh, sorry, Adam you go I think um it's probably a good chance for Racing Point. The, I mean, they've got the kind of Mercedes setup, but then they seem to go better against Red Bull last week in Hungary. So it, it, it's a bit of a weird one. I'm not really sure which is which type of track is better for them. But yeah, I think they, you know, they've got a decent chance. But it's Verstappen's the big problem for them is that he's just so good and. Um, I think this will, these two races or three races, including Barcelona, will kind of do go a long way to kind of telling us who is better, you know, who is the kind of second team to Mercedes. But yeah, I think they definitely got a chance. But it, it, And also, can they get the race together? Kind of, can they put together a clean race and get it done? Because Hungary was the first time they'd done that or got a clean race weekend together. Um, so if they can do that, then it'll be a very interesting battle to watch. But, you know, I think Red Bull and Verstappen especially will definitely be, you know, kind of up there as well. So Yeah, I threw in McLaren there and quickly I'll just say why. Um, I think Silverstone as a, as a track comparatively to Hungary and Austria is closer to Austria. Um, yeah. And that's where McLaren has been angling their car for the past few years is kind of the high speed tracks um i think racing points performance in hungary does lend itself to a bit of 2019 mercedes it was a bit more of a draggy car and a bit more of a um a downforce heavy car and i think mclaren of the midfield cars seems to be a bit more of a slippery car for this kind of circuit and i think mclaren could go very well here and i think based on the previous form of racing point and red bull and mclaren all getting podiums apart from Racing Point, being in the fight for podiums even. Um, uh, I think McLaren will be legitimately in a fight for third place this weekend. Wow, that's, that's some statement. Because oh, it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because McLaren were struggling to get points in Hungary, and yet new track, you know, new new location. Upgrade. Everything, yeah. Upgrade as well. So Which could which fail. Could, <laughs> which could, yeah, it could elevate them to third, though, as you say. Adam, you wanted to say? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about the upgrade, so I don't know whether I want to kind of retract that now. But I was thinking, 
at Austria, they, I think they got the, the third place at the first Grand Prix because of the safety car and the kind of manicness yeah. at the end more than that they were in the top three fastest yeah. teams. Um, started the race third in both of them, both Austrias. Yeah, so I don't know. I think Norris is definitely in form. He's one of the most informed drivers on the grid, I'd say. And, you know, he, he'll be able to take the fight if they've got the car. I just, I'm not so sure, not so confident about their chances of mixing it up right at the top. But I'd love it if they could, if they could get a podium at their home Grand Prix. That'd be brilliant. Right, let's talk about some predictions then. Who do we think is going to have pole position, the win, this weekend? Hamilton, both. Hamilton, both. I just don't believe Bottas can win. Yeah. So, yeah. Hamilton. I think he can get I think he can get. Uh, uh, yes, I think he can. But I just. I I, it's the gut, isn't it? The gut says yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton. I'm going to say Bottas both because something will happen to Hamilton and I don't know what, but something will happen. So, Meteor uh, will come in and hit his front wing. Maybe. It, it could happen. You, you never know with the amount of meteorites flying around Earth nowadays. Uh, who do we oh, think yeah. will be on the third step of the podium? Racing Point, Red Bull or McLaren? Carl um, Sainz Jr. Oh, science. Adam? I feel, I feel like science is very out there. Because if a, McLaren's kind of, I think, more out there, and then if you're going to pick one McLaren, I'd go Norris. But, it's, you know, if Freddie gets it right, he'll be laughing. Um, I will yeah, get but, it right. Um, Verstappen, I'm going to be boring. You're so boring. I'm going to go Perez. I think Perez, because he was ill in Hungary, and I think he can bounce back, and especially if Vettel might be joining the team next year, Perez needs to show something. So, yeah, I'm going to go Perez. I might, I might go Stroll just to be exciting, mix it up a bit. <laughs> it's a busy, busy okay. podium. Yeah. Uh, Imagine if all three of those drivers ended up on the same podium. Wow. What? That would be oh, quite incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's have another random prediction. Do we think, who do we think will come out on top in the Ferrari, Renault, and, am I missing anyone? Ferrari, yeah, Ferrari and Renault, because I think they could be quite close this weekend. That's a good shout. Because um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Silverstone, 80% Renault. is full throttle now. So, did you say yeah. Renault there, Adam? Yeah, Renault, because Ricardo's been doing pretty well. Mm. In He seems to be extracting a decent amount from it. So, yeah, and Leclerc's done nothing in the last two races. So, Yeah. Freddy? Ferrari. Ferrari. Reason? Because on any kind of measurement, Ferrari have always been ahead. Okay. Mm. Such as and, Austria won. Most of the qualifying, I can't remember the qualifying for Styria, to be fair, I don't know where Ricardo was. Um, Hungary. Ferrari were just faster. Mm, interesting. I, I, think, I think based on the, the me thinking the car is faster, I'm going to go with that. I feel like 
like with Ocon there, I'm slightly less confident about that now. I was thinking, yeah, Ricardo. Now I'm thinking, oh, Ocon. But I'll, I'll stick I think, with it. I think the Renault is being flattered by Ricardo. I don't think it's a very good car at all this year. Yeah. It's not controversial, that. I think Ferrari, though, especially with Silverstone being such a power-heavy yeah. track, they could be in big trouble mm. again. Well, even more trouble, I, sh- I should say. And the same goes for Haas and Alfa Romeo because they've got the Ferrari donkey in the back, obviously. Yeah. So I think... At least I that's think Ferrari... <laughs> Yeah, I think Ferrari could, could have some big, big, big problems uh, this year. Uh, well, this weekend, sorry. Uh, we're going to do my quiz now. Yeah, the quiz is back after a two-week break, I think. We haven't done a quiz for a few episodes. It's the Silverstone edition, of, of course. This time it's a slightly different format. It's not just straight questions. To try and explain it, but not confuse our amazing audience, yeah. basically, I'm going to say something to Adam and Freddie, and they're going to take turns with Ant. You'll see how it works. Yes, yeah, that. So the first, I've got two categories. The first category is corner names or sections Ooh. of the Silverstone circuit. Now I've got, I think I've got 13 names of the straights or sections or turns at Silverstone. So you're just going to have to, so yeah, one by one, you will say a name of a thing each. Mm. And yeah, the loser is whoever can't think of one or you run out of time or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Confusing. So so you'll see how it works. Are we allowed to note down what's been said already? No. Okay. <laughs> That's a good Memory. point, yeah. And you're obviously not allowed to search the Silverstone <laughs> layout because that would be cheating and that would ruin the whole place. But yeah. So, Adam, can you give me a name of any part of Silverstone? Tanger Strait. Andy? Stowe. Wellington Strait. Abbey. Cops. Maggots. Yeah. Beckett. <laughs> Cha- Chapel. Yes. And now it gets difficult <laughs> for me anyway. Yeah. Um, club. Yes. Vale. Does the wing count? <laughs> no. I was ready to say I was ready to say pit entry, to be fair. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't concede on that. Conceding? Yeah. Okay, well, that was overcooking them for our bit. Freddie, can you how many more sections or turns can you name for the same uh, circuit? Farm, the loop, Aintree, Brooklyn's, Luffield, Woodcut. Yeah. International pit yeah. straight. National I think you've named everything now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Freddie yeah. has been to Silverstone. I have in been. My yeah, he, yeah, he has been, have been. Yeah, he has been to many races and he's been to Silverstone quite a few times. So yes, and that I'm might have been a bit unfair. That, so sorry about that, Adam. So Freddie gets That's the right. point for that one. I'll and give you a five later, Nigel. <laughs> it was a tenor, wasn't it? Uh, the next Not going category, down this route. <laughs> the next category is British winners 
of the British Grand Prix. Oh, that's so, limited. I don't know how. I think there are 11, if I've counted oh, that okay. right, or 12. Heck. So there's quite a lot. So, Adam, do you want to start? Hamilton. Damon Hill. Yes. Jim Clark. Johnny Herbert. Yes. Yes. Nigel yeah. Yes. John Watson. Yes, that's a good one. I'm trying to remember if Button won there, but I don't feel like confident enough to go for it. Jackie Stewart. Uh, yes, yeah. he's won there yeah, twice. He's in the matcher. Oh, uh, DC, cool thought. Yes, he's won there twice as well. 99 and No, I was thinking. I don't want to say the drivers I'm thinking of in case they're right, and then thirties. <laughs> nah. um, John thirties. Let me. Uh, no, John thirties did not win the <laughs> British Grand Prix, unfortunately. So yeah, Freddie gets wins that one. Button has never had a podium. Never got a podium. The British Grand Prix. Right. Yeah, never mind a win. He always had bad luck. I, I, I remember one year, I think 2013, his wheel came off after his yeah. pit stop. And he's always and had 20, bad luck there. 2014, he was about half a tenth off Ricardo for third at the end of the race. And that was mm. quite sad because if he had pushed, started to push a few laps earlier, he would have done it. But um, Red Bull just basically went so long on a set of medium tyres or whatever it was. They went about mm. 35 laps on them, which is just like, that's one of Ricardo's best drives at Silverstone definitely to do that well one of Ricardo's best drives of that year to do that with those tyres was mm. insane because those yeah those, that was like ridiculous Mercedes did a two um, uh, wait on that list I was just thinking so who were the others would uh, Hawthorne and Graham Hill are they on there Graham Hill's not Graham Hill's not no, he Hawthorne, never won Silverstone. No. That was a big thing about Damon Hill winning it because Damon Hill won, won the British Grand Prix, but he never won Monaco, whereas Graham Hill won Monaco right. five times. Um, that was so who, who were the ones that we missed out? So, Freddie, do you want to have a go? I, have, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right with Hawthorne. Did Brooks win and Moss? Uh, oh, yeah, totally Brooks did, Sterling Moss did, yes. Um, yeah. How many is that then? We're on about nine, I think. I think you've got two more, you haven't yeah. said. Um, did we say Herbert? Yeah. yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Um, Hunt did. He won at Brands. James Hunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I thought him, and then I thought no, because there was yeah, the um, it was technically technically illegal, but they gave it to him in the end. I think. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think of drivers. Oh my god, it's from the fifties, I think. I'm not sure what year he won. But. Who's the one that isn't Brooks? Is it Peter? Peter Collins. Yes, Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. So that those are the well British drivers that have won the British Grand Prix. Uh, yeah. Those those are the only two categories I had. So oh, yeah. Freddie wins <laughs> this week. <laughs> so we've all. We could do a really done. long one, like just race winners. <laughs> that will take up whole episode. Well, I only there are like seventy race winners, and then we're in yeah. we're into like I don't know when we get to Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> yeah, so Freddie has won two quizzes. Me and Adam have won just one. 
So that yeah, still still all to play for. You, uh, you did a double or quits on my quiz. To be fair, you did a double or quits. So take yeah, that is one too. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a bit mean of me on myself. Yeah, I I don't think I'll gain that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's finish off. Let's finish off with some final thoughts on Silverstone then. So we've talked about the battle at the front. What is it you're looking forward to most this weekend, Freddie? Um, some cool overtakes. It's a cool track. Cool yeah. yeah. It, it's, the overtakes there are heart in mouth, but they still happen. I always come like last year's is a prime example of like the Mercedes battle with Bottas and Hamilton going from all the way from uh, the Wellington straight all the way around to Bottas coming back at Hamilton into Cops and so on. And then you've also got obviously Verstappen and Leclerc throughout the whole race. And then you go back a few years, Vessel and Alonso in 2014 is one of my favorite battles in all time in Formula One because they're just both just being so. They both respect each other so much and both hate each other at that point of their careers so much. I've always kind of thought Alonso just despises Vettel as, um, <laughs> as, 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 as a competitor. And um, they're just both giving each other just the right amount of room, go just to the line of the fight. And it's such a good fight, I think. If you get a chance, watch um, the 2014 British Grand Prix Alonso-Vettel duel. It's so good. Uh, I'm just looking forward to see that. Yeah, 2014 is an example of a really good race in when Mercedes were a second clear of the of the pack. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be done. What are you going to miss the most? Is there kind of one thing that sticks out that you will miss from being, not being there? Being year? there. Um, <laughs> I mean, Silverstone's just, it's got a special place to the majority of British fans just because it's the British Grand Prix, obviously. But the track is just such a brilliant track. The facilities there are the, the best in the in the world for fans. Um, and as, as a, the toilets are so good. Um, the fan experience there is fantastic. <laughs> and um, it's just going to be so weird watching it on TV, frankly. Mm. Yeah, if, if if anyone ever goes to Silverstone, I recommend standing at the Maggots Beckinster when the cars enter there because you can get very close amazing. to the track. They look amazing. And yeah, I, I was at the World Endurance Championship a few years ago and the LMP1 Toyota course oh. was just exceptional, the speed they took. So the F, I can only imagine what the F1 cars are like there. I was Adam, the- any final thought? Yes, really. I, I saw some Formula Ford there a couple of years ago and that was slightly disappointing in comparison to the F1. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Adam. yeah, I think Williams getting their first point, probably not, but you know, it's another chance for them. Um, <laughs> I think it's been Williams' hardest weekend so far. Yeah, I agree. But you know, maybe this will be the one. Um, you know, could, if, there's, if Bottas can, does have a good weekend, that will be interesting to see him because we not I guess in Austrian Grand Prix we had um, Hamilton on the back of Bottas for a bit but if we can have a full race with those going at it that'd be great um, and yeah just the other stuff we covered the battle for third seeing where racing points stack up against Red Bull I think they're the things that stick out 
Yeah, I think for me, I'm kind of ignoring the Mercedes battle now, especially if, if one of them is, mm. is up and clear ahead of the other teammate. Uh, I'm just looking at who's going to be third because I, I do think Red Bull and Racing Point are going to have a really big scrap this weekend. McLaren might be in there as well if the upgrades work. So, yeah, it's not all about the front battle. Of course, everyone loves a championship fight. But I think, as Freddie mentioned, 2014... Even 2016, in a way, we had some great scraps in the, in the midfield uh, behind the two Mercedes. So I think yeah, that's Adam. Um, no, I, I think like two. It is kind of good looking at the midfield fight. I think it's kind of for a lot of casual fans, they who aren't as kind of dialed into the midfield. Yeah. It will be quite a boring season because a lot, you know, like. A lot of people who just kind of turn on watch, you know, the race and then, you know, don't kind of pick up any, you know, news or whatever or kind of follow it outside of the race day, then there's kind of not the same sense of, oh, there's a great midfield, oh, we'll race yeah. a point, beat them, whatever, Renault go, oh, that's a great point for Alpha Tauri. So I think it is, I think to, to people who follow it like that, it will be a disappointing kind of season for that and I think they'll lose something yeah. from that. But by the same by the same coin, if you're watching the midfield as a casual fan, you'll still see a demon overtaking a cracking bit of racing in the midfield and you'll be able to say, oh yeah, that's good racing. If you're a casual mm -hmm. fan to the point of where you will look at the results from qualifying or something or look at whoever's won the last race and go, well, there's not a fight here, I'm not going to turn on, then yeah, it's going to completely ruin the season for you. But if it's a casual fan of, oh, it's on, I'll watch it, oh, that's cool racing, then there's still that side to it. There's still the opportunity for racing in the midfield. But yeah, yeah you're, you're completely right. The, the actual, the top honours is, is signed, sealed, delivered before the actual weekend. Mm. It's a bit like the Premier League when Liverpool won the title or everyone knew they were going to win the title. Mm. The Champions League battle or the relegation battle, the casual fans might not be as interested. Mm. So I see it as a bit like that. But the, yeah, but the championship the a lot more West Ham fans than Alpha Tauri fans. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If it was uh, still Bernardi, though. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's all we've got time for. Everything. Unless I've missed anything. No. Yeah. It's so nothing. Yeah, just a note that. I believe both practice sessions on Friday are one hour later than they usually are for whatever reason. But the race and qualifying is still both at two o'clock and ten past two on Saturday and Sunday. And it's not just on Sky this weekend, it's on Channel 4. So everyone can watch it as long as you have a TV, which I'm sure most people will. So They're yes. one hour later because then they're on the same clock as they would be if they're in Europe time. So say a practice session starts at 11 oh, in Europe yes. and starts at 10 o'clock on TV in the UK. So it starts at 11 o'clock in the UK as it would because that's where the F1 clock is. Right. Right. So whilst the race and qualifying, not on the... Like, not one hour, not one hour later. Because the race and qualifying are bizarre. <laughs> they they oh. don't know what they're doing with the races. That's why they put them 10 minutes later. <laughs> Yeah, Someone thought a couple of years ago it'd be great to move them all an hour and ten minutes later. So they did. And so that would have, if, if they hadn't done that, then Hungary last week would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I quite like that because, like, a lot of a lot of sport, really, but um, F1, you know, you've got like 
you start if you know a match kicks off at three you start watching like 10 minutes before or something like that mm. just at the end of the build-up maybe so i don't know i think maybe it kind of works a bit for that oh it completely yeah. works from the tv perspective and that's fair enough they've done that yeah. and chat will be doing a review podcast after the race hopefully getting it up sunday night hopefully. um and we got a lot of good um views and feedback on our hungry um reviews so thank you very much all for that and yeah hopefully tune into to the british country one as well yeah, yeah you can you can find us on wing f1 for twitter i'm fred coats 99 on 1999 on my twitter um i'm at I'm Adam Dickinson, zero, one. Ooh. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, and our podcast provider website, Acast. When that's working, it's been down for the recent day, so that's fun. Um, but when that's working, that's where you can find us and listen to us on the go, listen to us in your ears, do what you want. Just, yeah, play it on loop. Please. Yes. Keep hitting refresh. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be back with another podcast on Sunday or Monday. So, for now, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.